Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. We are, as always, presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com, claim your free ticket for one of their rugby matches, or stream all of their games for free on their website. Again, that is AmericanRaptors.com. Thank you guys for presenting this show. My name is Jake Schwanitz. I am your host. And today on the show, we are going to be recapping a very fun and eventful weekend in the Pac-12 football landscape. We also have our eyes closely watching and our ears close to the ground on these potential buffs coaching candidates for the 2023 football team. Uh, We will be getting an update from James Madison on Kurt Signetti, Coastal Carolina and Jamie Chadwell, Alabama, Bill O'Brien, among others. The big news, of course, today is that Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers have parted ways. The Panthers fired Matt Rule. We will get to that in segment three. Uh, Before we get into Pac-12 recap, though, Just a little bit of house cleaning I wanted to share with you guys. The format for the weekly press conferences has been changed, which is why there's going to be little to no actual Buffs content on this show today. Um, I got nothing to share with you guys, frankly. Uh, Usually we have a press conference with Coach Durrell on these Mondays with continued availability on Tuesday with players. And then Wednesday we would talk to Durrell again with some more players. That's going to be changed. We are instead going to be getting a press conference on Sunday evenings, it looks like. Um, just talking more about the week before. So, of course, no press conference yesterday. But as we move forward through the rest of the season, plan on hearing some more stuff on these Monday shows as we get to talk to Coach Sanford uh, and recap the game before. So that'll be on Sundays. Mondays will be completely free, no availability. And then Tuesday, that usual press conference where we would talk to Durrell for about 30 minutes um, is going to be moved to Tuesdays. With Sanford leading it, he is going to use that as a time to talk in more advance of the game on the horizon as opposed to the week before, which is what that Sunday conference is going to be used for. We will continue to have uh, availability for players, and it looks like we're going to get coaching coordinator um, availability also on Tuesdays. Exciting stuff, though. We are going to continue to get availability for practice on Tuesdays. We have a, a bigger window, actually. It seems about 30 minutes or so, so I'm excited for that tomorrow. I'm sure we'll talk about that throughout the week. So just to update you guys on that end. But let's get into Pac-12 football and what was a very fun and exciting weekend in the conference. We start with what was potentially the headlining battle of the weekend. And that was between number 11 Utah and number 18 UCLA. This was a rock fight early on. The game started with four straight punts before Utah managed to drive, mounted to, managed to mount a drive led by Rising and Tavion Thomas ultimately ending in Cam Rising throwing a pick inside the red zone, turning it over to the Bruins. Then DTR and the Bruins get the ball back, and this guy just manages to keep on playing at another level. It's such a heightened level from what we've seen in the past of from DTR to this point. He's just throwing darts all over the field. Another very impressive performance from him. He led the Bruins on multiple touchdown drives, had four touchdown passes himself. Uh, they took the lead early, 7-0 over the Utes. Zach Charbonnet would continue running the ball at a high level. He is such a stud. Another huge day for him. We'll get the stats towards the end of this. Uh, Tavion Thomas had a really good game, though, as I mentioned already. Uh, He continued to kind of move the chains for the Utes early on. Um, They were able to respond. Rising, most notably, had had that interception. He responded well, making plays with his arm and legs. He was comfortable throwing the the ball in the tight windows also, especially over the middle. Um, He showed some impressive toughness and ability to run the football also. However, 
this game would go, it was tight all the way through to the fourth quarter. Um, we have, we have Logan Loya with a big 70 yard touchdown that was on a drag, uh, that DTR hit middle way through the fourth quarter. And then Cam Rising fumbled the ball. It was a near scoop and score for the Bruins on a fourth and one that really turned the tide of the game that made it 42 to 25 before Utah scored a pick six in the final minute. Really DTR's only mistake on the day. It was all Bruins in this one. This team is really good, really impressive, as we saw in person a few weeks ago against the Buffs. DTR went 18-23, 299 yards, four touchdowns, had that one pick six at the very end. Great game from him. 22 carries, 198 yards on the ground, and one touchdown from Zach Charbonnet. DTR had 11 carries on the ground, eight yards. He did have a touchdown rushing also, uh, but of course, factor in those sacks. And he only... Came up with eight rushing yards on the day. The Utah defense would get to him twice, so a little bit limited on the ground. In the receiving game for the Bruins, uh, Jake Bobo has been that guy for them. He did have two touchdowns, only three receptions on 22 yards, though. Uh, Logan Loya, as I mentioned, with that big touchdown, 70 yards on a drag. On the Utah side, I mean, Cam Rising did play well, mostly with his legs, though. He was 23-32 on through the air, 287 yards, had that interception early on. But it was really the rushing attack for the Utes that kind of mounted any type of offensive momentum for them. 18 carries, 91 yards, and a touchdown for Tavion Thomas. 13 carries, 59 yards, two touchdowns on the ground for Cam Rising. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end for the Utes. Another nice game, four receptions, 67 yards. Devon Vele, the re leading receiver for the Utes, however. Six receptions, 87 yards on the day. Uh, big days from... What's the name I'm looking for? There it is. Darius Muasu on the Bruins. He had eight tackles, um, three solo tackles. He's the playing middle linebacker for them. We didn't see much from Clark Phillips. Uh, he did have the interception return for a touchdown, um, but not a big impact until that play very, very late in the game. For the Utes, it is a 10-point win for UCLA. Huge for them as they continue to roll through this Pac-12 slate. This team looking much improved a big jump in the rankings too, up seven points for the Bruins, up to 11, taking that spot from Utah. Utah drops all the way down to number 20, a nine spot fall for the Utes. Next game, also involving one of the best teams in the Pac-12, USC. The Washington State Cougars came to town to take on the number six Trojans. Uh, it was a Travis Dye game through and through for the Trojans. You have to ask yourself, is this guy really the one that stirs the drink for this USC offense? He has been so good week in and week out. Uh, Caleb Williams kind of stealing some headlines with some amazing throws, which he had in this one. This game started off with another just absolutely nutty throw, Caleb to Mario Williams, that put the Trojans up 7-0 early. Uh, Tuli Tuipilato got to Cam Ward early and often. He had three sacks on Ward in this game. He now has seven on the season. Keep an eye out for Tuli Tui Pilatu on the Trojans. This guy just continues to rack up sacks. But Caleb Williams, again, as I mentioned, he's just a stud. Made plays as a runner and some insane passes early on. Uh, Washington State would respond, however, in the first half with a very nice drive from Cameron Ward and the Cougars offense to start the second quarter. Ward was slinging it uh, very quickly and confidently out of RPOs. He was quick in his reads. Very impressive in terms of his calmness and poise inside the pocket. The Cougars were actually up 14 to 10 midway through the second quarter, um, but USC and their firepower just took over at that point. Travis Dye, again, just cutting through holes, diving between gaps. I mean, he's so slippery and elusive, 
but also as he runs between the tackles, he's just so tough and runs with great contact balance that allows him to quickly slither between those holes and showed some ability in pass pro also. Uh, Die would ice the game late on in the fourth quarter with a touchdown. Final score, 30-14 to 14 Trojans. Caleb Williams, 15-29, 188 yards, two touchdowns on the ground, had nine carries for 34 yards, no touchdowns rushing. So a good day from him as he continues to build an impressive resume and the Trojans continue to build momentum overall in the season. But Travis Dye was the most impressive and standout Trojan to me on the day. 28 carries, 149 yards, and one touchdown from the former Oregon running back. He has just been impressive throughout the whole year. Mario Williams was their leading receiver, Four catches, 82 yards, and a touch, two touchdowns, I should add. I think Jordan Aston went out the game uh, with a some sort of injury at one point. He did eventually come back. He only had three receptions, 37 yards on the day. Brendan Rice, though, three receptions, 38 yards. He's kind of finding a niche in this offense also. On the Cougars' side, decent day from Cameron Ward. Uh, you could be more efficient if you're Cam Ward, but ultimately 19 of 32, 172 yards passing and two touchdowns. Um, USC just, I mean, there was no, no real windows for him to make plays and throw the football, especially on the ground. He only had 13 carries and five yards rushing USC defense did get to him five times. However, so however, so that's going to impact his rushing stats. Jalen Jenkins, nice day running the ball for the Cougars, 13 carries, 130 yards, but that was pretty much it on both sides. Um, as I mentioned, Tuli, Tui Pilato, big game, three sacks. He had a hurry also and four combined tackles for losses on this Cougars defense. Um, No real big turnovers or shifts of momentum for this Trojan defense. No turnovers in this game combined, actually, between both teams. So the Trojan defense showing that they can get it done with turnovers and just by playing smash mouth OG defense uh, to lead them to a 30-14 to win over the Cougars. Uh, The Trojans, I think, stay pat in the rankings Um, They actually go down a spot with Tennessee making a jump. So they're at seventh in the AP poll. They remain at six in the coaches poll. However, the top 10 unchanged in the coaches poll this week. Next game, let's go to, let's do this Arizona State game. This was really eventful um, and a surprising upset for the Sun Devils in what was a fun game. Uh, A big Michael Penix mistake, however, being the difference in this one. Um, we start off here early on as Washington kind of opened playing well. They were efficient in the quick game and explosive moving the ball down the field. They capped their first drive off with a Michael Penix quarterback sneak for a touchdown. And then Arizona State responded pretty well. It was good balanced offense and good quarterback play on both sides of the ball through the first quarter. Emory Jones is playing really well for the Sun Devils. He eventually would get knocked out uh, early in the second quarter. And this is when we saw Trenton Bourget come in for the Sun Devils. He played really, really well. It was 10-3 after the first quarter. Then that Emory Jones uh, injury happened. The Sun Devils kind of turned to Xavier Valade at that point. He had a great day rushing the ball. Um, and he was able to kind of carry the offense while Jones was out. And then the interception happened. A, a Michael Penix tipped ball was returned for a pick six. And ASU was all of a sudden up. 24 to 10 on the Huskies. It was Jordan Clark on the interception, 38 yards for the score. The Huskies would respond on their next drive. It was a a great drive, actually. 
manufactured by Michael Penix, um, right at the end of the half. This cut the deficit to 24-17. And then in the second half, uh, the Huskies create an interception. Uh, we're moving forward to the fourth quarter, actually. The Huskies create an interception and tie the game at 38. It was really back and forth um, throughout this football game. Penix was cutting up the Arizona State defense where the Huskies run game punched in a touchdown. Um, and then another balanced drive by Bourget and the Sun Devils results in his third touchdown pass of the game to take the lead and disaster would strike the Huskies late. There was a low snap on their final drive on third down that moved the ball all the way to fourth and 35 for the Huskies. They would not be able to convert capping off the upset for the Sun Devils. A very impressive start by Trenton Bourget. He went 15 to 21, 182 yards three touchdowns. He did have that one interception, however, but a very impressive performance. This guy only had 12 combined passing attempts coming into this game, potentially a quarterback controversy brewing for the Sun Devils in this one, though. As a whole, um, really that defensive score led this team to this victory. However, it was really balanced on both sides. I mean, nothing super impressive. I already mentioned Bourget's stats. Emery Jones, before the injury was playing really well though 7 to 9 59 yards he had a couple of rushes on the ground too but as i mentioned Xavier Valade 23 carries 111 yards one touchdown Daniel Ingada also added four carries 39 yards and a touchdown that rushing attack really kept this Arizona State offense grounded and able to manufacture points consistently to pull off the upset it was a decent day overall for the Huskies however uh, Michael Penix played fairly well besides that one interception. He had no touchdowns, though. 33 of 53 passing, 311 yards. He wasn't able to do much on the ground. As Arizona State kind of kept a lid on him, they only sacked him once, but it was enough for the Sun Devils to pull off the upset. Rome Odunze, another big game receiving for the Huskies. Nine receptions, 115 yards for them. It was a solid day on the ground overall for the Huskies. 33 combined attempts for 134 yards. They had five touchdowns rushing. Um, not much going through the air, though, except for between the 20s. They really relied on that run game as they got closer into the red zone. That's about wrapping up that one. Before we finish this weekend slate in the Pac-12, I want to talk to you guys about our friends over at Game Time. It is, of course, coming up on basketball and hockey season. Game Time offers you the best deals on last-minute tickets for Avs games, for Nuggets games, and of course for Buffs games. You won't find a better deal this season on those tickets. Game time is created by the fans for the fans and guarantees the lowest price on those tickets. If you love DMVR, then you'll love game time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Again, check out the link in the description or at the bottom of the article posted for this podcast on the website. Shout out to those guys. Um, I plan on taking advantage of many opportunities through them for a lot of these games coming up through hockey and basketball season. Also, shout out to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I had some decent luck this weekend, still not really finding a role, uh, a momentum, I should say, in terms of betting so far this season, but we're staying alive. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any NFL game or any football game for that matter. That's code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This week, for our pick of the week via DraftKings, we are going to go to old reliable here. Let's go to James Madison. They're 10.5 point favorites over Georgia Southern. We will talk about the Dukes much more in segment three and Kurt Signetti, just the impressive uh, role that James Madison is on in their first season in the FBS. Take them minus 10.5. They have been undefeated against the spread so far this season and have really produced returns in that department. So that's going to be our pick of the week. We're going to go to the well there. Let's get back into Pac-12 football. Um, A couple other games to get to before we wrap up the slate. Let's go to Tucson, Arizona, where the Buffs last played before their bye week. The Oregon Ducks, the 12th ranked team in the country, came in and really put it to the Wildcats. Um, Early on, it was cowing and Delora cooking for the Wildcats. But a fumble on that first drive on a handoff from Delora to Cowing near the goal line resulted in a Ducks turnover. Um, the Wildcats would eventually get the ball back. They would take an early 3 to nothing lead, but Oregon would respond that very next drive with a touchdown from 55 yards out by running back Noah Whittington. He had a great game. Arizona got the ball back. They were driving at the end of the first quarter, but would f- be forced to punt. And from there, it was really over. Oregon would then go on to score touchdowns on six straight drives, Bo Nix was throwing well down the field with confidence, but a lot of the, most of the t- touchdowns came on the ground uh, for Nix and the Ducks. All of them, I should say. Seven touchdowns through the running game, zero through the air. Oregon, though, defensively, I mean, this team, they've just been so weird. The, I think a lot of them expected to be so much better on defense, myself included. I can calmly and confidently say at this point, they just don't have it on defense this year. Uh, especially against the run. They are just slow to kind of diagnose these runs and get into gaps. They can also struggle to generate pressure and flow to the football at times. However, it wasn't an issue in this game for the Ducks. Uh, That rushing attack, as I mentioned, dominated Arizona up front. Total, 41 carries, 306 yards for the Ducks, seven touchdowns on the ground, as I said. Noah Whittington kind of led that charge, six carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Bo Nix had eight carries, 70 yards on the ground. He added three touchdowns on the ground himself. It was a solid day passing for Knicks as Kenny Dillingham really knows this guy's strengths and how to get productive play out of him. Uh, Usually at home is where Bo Nix kind of shows off his stuff and what he really can do. But on the road, he has been prone to struggle. Not in this one, though, as he had a great game. Not much really going on the Arizona Wildcats side of things. Delora was iffy. At best, 24-42, 241 yards. He had a touchdown. He did throw an interception also. Um, not much going on the run game for the Wildcats. Cowing, Jacob Cowing, the standout receiver for the Wildcats. So six receptions, 77 yards. Oregon was kind of able to keep a lid on that Arizona passing attack. A couple turnovers uh, resulting from Arizona allowed Oregon to really build this lead. They didn't do much defensively, the Wildcats. Neither did Oregon, though. They got to Delora twice. Um, as I mentioned, they were able to create a couple of turnovers, but nothing really going in that one. This was a clear-cut victory for the Ducks away on the road. Finally, as we wrap up our weekend of Pac-12 recap, possibly the game of the weekend, certainly the finish of the weekend, Oregon State travels to Stanford to take on the Cardinal. Uh, Oregon State has had some trouble at quarterback to this point. Uh, Chance Nolan was the starter starter to begin the season. He has really faltered of late, throwing some interceptions early and often. So Ben Gilbranson gets the start at quarterback for the Beavers. He played pretty well overall. 
Um, Tanner McKee also played pretty well for the Cardinal. Um, he found tight end Ben Urosic early and often. It was a 7-7 game early until Stanford made a long field goal midway through the second quarter. And then a touchdown pass from McKee to Bryson Tremaine put this game at 17-7. Oregon State converts on fourth down in Stanford territory and scores a touchdown, but would be called back on a holding. The Cardinal then sacked Golbranson, and the Beavers would miss another field goal in the second quarter. Um, they would get to re-kick that one on an offsides call. That one went through, making it 17-10. Um, as we move to the second half, McKee was dealing at the end of the third quarter. He found Tremaine for his second touchdown pass and Tremaine's second catch, touchdown catch of the day. This one 37 yards out. And in fourth quarter, Pac-12 after dark would kick off. Goldbranson threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Silas Bolded in the corner of the end zone. The Beavers would go for two and did not get it. Uh, Damian Martinez on another drive would then run it in from 43 yards out for the Beavers as they mount this comeback. They decided to go for two again, and it was no good. It was 24 to 22 with about six minutes left in this fourth quarter. The Stanford offense was really struggling late. They did manage to get a field goal with less than a minute remaining to go up 27 to 22. It looked like that would be the end of this one until Oregon State. Gilbranson finds Treshawn Harrison mosses and embarrasses a Stanford quarterback corner to run in for a late touchdown to give the Beavers a one-point win over Stanford. Go look up that highlight of that touchdown of Treshawn Harrison mossing the Stanford cornerback. A very impressive clutch play by the wide receiver and Goldbranson to manufacture this win for the Beavers. Stanford, though, I mean, this team just does not have it this year. You have to wonder if David Shaw is going to find himself on the hot seat and add himself to that long list of names for the Buffs' potential coaching candidates. Um, Stats here, Ben Gobranson went 20 of 29, 250 yards. He had two touchdowns. Damian Martinez running the ball for the Beavers. Didn't do it often, but when he did, he was explosive. Three carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown with that 43-yarder in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jam Griffin had 13 carries, 75 yards. Deshaun Fenwick, 14 carries, 54 yards. But the story of the game, I think, was Oregon State's talent on the outside and their speed. Um, As we mentioned, Treshawn Harrison already had that touchdown to win the game. He had a nice day, seven receptions, 104 yards. With that touchdown, Anthony Gold, a nice day, three receptions, 44 yards. That speed is clearly on display between him and Silas Bolden. Bolden had two catches, 41 yards. On the other side, uh, Stanford really just struggles to find anything. And McKee's playing pretty well, too. But this running attack, 27 combined carries for 90 combined yards. Casey Filkins did add the only touchdown on the day. He had 21 carries for 62 yards himself. Um, On the receiving end, Bryson Tremaine for Stanford, six receptions, 82 yards, two touchdowns. He's someone to watch out for as he's kind of emerged midway through the season for the Cardinal offensively. Defensively, the Cardinal did get to go Branson four times for sacks. Tobin Phillips had two sacks on the day, but it wasn't enough. Oregon State only able to get to McKee once, but still that Stanford offense really just struggled late. That's going to wrap it up. Very exciting weekend in the Pac-12, as I said. Uh, Both Cal and Colorado, of course, off this weekend. They will be meeting on Saturday at Folsom Field as Colorado tries to get right with Mike Sanford at head coach. Before we transition into talking about some of these coaching candidates and how they did this weekend for 
their respective teams and how they kind of fare in this coaching search. Uh, we are going to talk about Breckenridge Brewery real quick. Smashed a couple Breck brews over the weekend, over the bye week, and I hope you guys did too. Um, if you managed to make it out to that Hootenanny though, uh, hope you guys had a great time. I spent a lot of the weekend kind of bumming it. Took advantage of the bye week, watched a lot of football on Saturday and Sunday, but knocking back some Breckenridge brews while I can, of course. Check out their beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos Country Ale or whatever Breckenridge offers near you. Again, that is breckbrew.com. Use their beer locator. All right, final segment here. We're going to talk about some of these coaches and how they fared over the weekend in their respective games. Um, it's pretty much the same list that we had on Friday's show. I knocked off some of the guys that we already mentioned in the Pac-12, though. As I mentioned off the top of this show, Matt Rule was fired. He, uh, he and the Panthers just couldn't make it work. He went 11-27 and 27 as the Panthers head coach in his three years. The Panthers rest at 1-4 and four over the year with a very, I don't even know the word, ugly uh, performance. I mean, it was just a blowout. 37 to 15, the Panthers lost to the 49ers. So Matt Rule finding himself on the open market again. You have to assume he's going to get a lot of coaching looks. And you wonder if this is one of the guys that the Buffs should really be targeting. Of course, coming off this disappointing run in Carolina, but he's shown the ability to turn around some college football programs. There are going to be tons of schools, however, interested in Matt Rule's service. We'll see if he makes a move um, sometime in November, though as that is when the coaching carousel is really going to kick off for college football. Moving on, Garrett Riley, the offensive coordinator at TCU. The Horned Frogs had a big win on the road to stay undefeated over Kansas. Kansas, of course, one of the stories of the season so far. Max Duggan had over 300 yards passing, and Quentin Johnson finally had his first big game of the season for the Horned Frogs. 14 catches, 206 yards, and a touchdown. Garrett Riley still firmly in the middle of this coaching search. And perhaps the favorite, at least RK's favorite, and I know a lot of your guys' favorite after we did that tier list, Kurt Signetti. We already talked to James about the James Madison Dukes in our DraftKings Pick of the Week, but this team, just so impressive. Uh, they continue to roll to 5-0, 5-0 total against the spread uh, after beating Arkansas State 42-20. I believe they were 12-point favorites going into that one. They smashed that spread. James Madison now ranked 25 in the, coaches, or in the AP poll. Just so impressive. For a first-year FBS team to make the jump from FCS to FBS, finding themselves firmly within the top 25 conversation and showing that this team is not to be taken lightly. Uh, they are legitimately a good football team and a well-deserved performance and just buff, bump up from them in terms of the rankings. Keep an eye out for James Madison. They are hot and rolling right now. Let's go to Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers travel down to, to the University of Louisiana Monroe where they were in a battle. They came in as 12 and a half point favorites, but survived against ULM to win 20 to 21. No second half points for Coastal. So Jamie Chadwell maybe losing a little bit of momentum. I mean, the past couple of years, this team was really a lot of people's college football darling as they kind of made a James Madison-esque jump. Um, not quite as impressive as the Dukes, but the Chanticleers have been a solid football team in the FBS since they have joined a few years ago. Let's go look at Bill O'Brien here. A tough one for Alabama. They were huge favorites over Texas A&M. They barely win 24-20, but Bama's offense overcame four turnovers in a shaky game without Bryce Young. Uh, Jalen Milrow, the starting quarterback for the Tide. Um, 
it wasn't a lot going in the air with this quarterback. Of course, no Bryce Young, but the running game was really too much to handle for the Aggies. So keep an eye out that um, in terms of Bama, if they can kind of if Bill Bryan can survive and manufacture some offense without Bryce Young, although it doesn't seem like a serious injury for Bryce Young, just something to note for. Um, as we've talked about already, this guy can coach, and really it was his general manager moves in Houston for the Texans that got him fired. Um, just some quick hitters here. Jeff Trailer, the Roadrunners survive a thriller. Um, that's UTSA over Western Kentucky to win 31 to 28. They were favored by six points. They barely pull it out to steal the win over Western Kentucky, though, as they were kind of mounting some momentum late. Um, Western Kentucky was. And then Ryan Walters, a very impressive performance by the Illinois defense over Iowa to win that game nine to six. It was a pure rock fight. The fighting in the line I hold the Hawkeyes 222 total yards on offense and they only allow 52 rushing yards on 30 carries. An impressive performance by Ryan Walters. We will continue to keep an eye on a lot of these guys as we move forward. I'm sure on this Wednesday show this week, we'll be talking more potential coaching candidates and the Buffs coaching situation moving forward. Alrighty, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Uh, I know a little bit light on the Buffs there, but regardless, as I mentioned, we got a football game this week, so we, we will get back into plenty of Buffs content moving forward. We have a basketball scrimmage on Saturday too. I will find out exactly my plan for Saturday moving forward. I'm sure we will get eyes and ears on both games on Saturday, the scrimmage for basketball, and of course, the football game against Cal as the Buffs try to find some momentum with Mike Samford. Until Wednesday, guys, keep it tuned here at DMVR Buffs. Follow me on Twitter at JakeDMVR. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Let's go Buffs.